Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. How many evolutionists does it take to change a light bulb? Just one, but it will take a million years. How many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, but the bulb has really got to want to change. How many real men does it take to change a light bulb? None. Real men aren't afraid of the dark. How many real women does it take to change a light bulb? None, because a real woman always has a real man around to do that. How many jugglers does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, but it takes three to juggle. How many football players does it take to change a light bulb? The entire team, and they all get a semester's credit for it. A little boy forgot his lines in a Sunday school presentation, and his mother was in the front row to prompt him. She gestured and formed the words silently with her lips but it did not help. Her son's memory was blank. Finally, she leaned forward and whispered the cue, I am the light of the world. The child beamed and with great feeling and a loud, clear voice said, my mother is the light of the world. Today is Mother's Day. And today we want to celebrate all women and mothers, we as a church are giving a gift in your honor to the Crisis Pregnancy Center of the Wabash Valley. Let me hear you online, offline, say woohoo! Also today, we're going to conclude our four-part series, Waymaker. Waymaker, I believe, has been an appropriate theme in response to the COVID pandemic. Jesus has and is making a way for us. He is the miracle worker that we need right now. And he is our promise keeper, the fulfillment of all of that God has promised. The title of our sermon today is Light in the Darkness. We have to understand the context of the passage in John 8 that we're going to look at today. God inaugurated the Feast of the Tabernacles an annual feast to help the Israelites remember that for four decades, 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness before they were finally brought into the promised land. There were two distinctives about the celebration that made it different from all the other annual feasts. First, for seven days, the entire nation camped out in booths or tents made of branches and foliage to remind them of the hardships their ancestors had endured in the wilderness. And second, on the opening night of the celebration, four gigantic candle operas standing 75 feet high were lit. Think 75 feet high torches, gloriously illuminating the entire temple and much of Jerusalem. Each candle opera torch for the Feast of Tabernacles had four branches supplied by golden bowls filled with 10 gallons of oil. These flames literally leaped toward the sky. Throughout the week, the light burned brightly as the religious leaders praised the Lord and sang songs of joy while the people watched and waited. 
Musicians played harps, lyres, cymbals, and trumpets. This festival was to remind the Israelites of the glory of God dwelling among them and how God's Shekinah brightness had once filled the temple. This celebration also focused on the promise of God to send a light, the anointed one, the Messiah, who would deliver them from darkness and despair. Sacrifices were offered in scriptures like Isaiah 9-2 were read. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the deep darkness, on them has the light shone. The illumination from these imposing temple lamps symbolized two realities. The first was the reality of the light of all lights, the Shekinah glory, the visible presence of God that filled the first temple, which Solomon built. The second was the great light who would soon come and bring light to those who were spiritually dead and dwelling in darkness. It was in this context Jesus spoke in John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus was at the temple. Perhaps it was during the light celebration, or when the lights were extinguished on the eighth day of the Feast of Tabernacles, that he said for all to hear, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He proclaimed two truths with this statement. He is the great light who the prophet Isaiah said would come, and he is God in the flesh and the glory of the temple. John eight twelve says, and again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I came from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? And Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Who is Jesus talking to? Jesus was talking to a group of Jewish leaders prominently referred to as the Pharisees. It's suspected the title originates from a Hebrew word meaning separate or detached. They separated themselves from anything that didn't align with the way they interpreted interpreted Old Testament law. The response from those who heard Jesus was threefold. Some religious people rejected him. Others were inquisitive enough to ask him for more information, and still others believed and received him. The joy associated with the light ritual of the Feast of Tabernacles anticipated Jesus' coming and bringing light and life to a dark, sinful world. The Pharisees' claimed claims didn't diminish his confidence. Notice it was Jesus' words that God used to bring about 
the faith. He wasn't doing miracles at this point. He was speaking. In fact, he was going back and forth with the Pharisees and the crowd, those who were blind to what he was saying. And as people listened to his words, they believed. Faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. And he said, I am the light of the word. In this passage, we see three R's. And the first R is repetition. In John 8.12, again he said to them, this was not the first or last reference in Scripture that Jesus was the light. Some people may say to me, I'm not perfect, Chris, but I'm better than most folks. I've led a good life. I don't break the rules. I don't break hearts. I help people. I like people. Compared to others, I think I could say I'm a righteous person. I used to try that on my mom. She'd tell me that my room wasn't clean. And I'd say it was a lot cleaner than it was before. I couldn't meet her standard. I could even say my friends' rooms were always dirtier than mine. But that never worked either. She'd walk me down the hall to her room. When it came to tidy rooms, my mom was righteous. Her closet was just right. Her bed was always just right. Her bathroom was just right. Compared to hers, my room was well Well, it was just wrong. She would show me her room and say, this is what I mean by clean. God does the same. He points to himself and says, this is what I mean by righteousness. God repeats himself over and over again in Scripture, letting us know what true holiness is. This repetition reminds us of his standard. The first R was repetition. The second R is revelation. Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. A man was on trial. Halfway through the trial, he stood up and pled guilty. The judge was frustrated. Why didn't you plead guilty to begin with and save us a a whole lot of time? And the defendant replied, I thought I was innocent, but that was before I heard all the evidence against me. There is revelation in Jesus' light. It is a torch that drives darkness away. Sometimes his light is painfully bright as it reveals the darkness inside of us. It reveals how guilty we are. Thankfully, it doesn't end at this point. This is the beginning of something beautiful in Christ, and that is grace. The first R was repetition. The second R is revelation. And the third R is redemption. Look again at the end of verse 12. But we'll have the light of life. One weekend, a father gave his teenage son permission to spend the weekend at a friend's house. But during the weekend, the dad received a call from the friend's mother, informing him that his son was not at her home. Her her son had felt guilty about covering for the father's son and confessed it to his mom. After the father told his wife about their son's deception, the dad said, My wife could feel my anger, and she said, I think you need to pray. And I said, the father said, I don't think I can pray for him right now. The mother, his wife said, I didn't mean for you to pray for him. I think you need to pray for you. The father wrote, I went to my bedroom to to pray for God's help, and it hit me that because of his love, God had already begun a work of rescue in my son's life. 
God was the one who pressed in on the conscience of my son's friend, causing him to confess to his mom. God was the one who gave her the courage to make that difficult call to me. And God was the one giving me time to get a hold of myself before my son came home. Now, rather than wanting to rip into my son, I wanted to be part of what this God of grace was doing in this moment of rebellion, deception, hurt, and disappointment. After giving his son a couple of hours to relax upon his return, the father asked him if they could talk. Do you ever think about how much God loves you? He asked his son. Sometimes, the son answered. Do you ever think how much God's grace operates in your life every day? His son looked up but didn't speak. Do you know how much God's grace was working in your life even this weekend? Who told you? His son asked. The father said, you have lived your life in the light. You've made good choices. You've been an easy son to parent. But this weekend, you took a step toward the darkness. You can live in the darkness if you want. You can learn to lie and deceive. You can use your friends as your cover. You can step over God's boundaries. Or you can determine to live in God's light. I'm pleading with you. Don't live in the darkness. Live in the light. The father said, as I turned to walk away, I heard his voice from behind me saying, Dad, don't go. And as I turned around with tears in his eyes, he said, Dad, I want to live in the light, but it's so hard. Will you help me? We as Christians are called to live in the light. Jesus revealed himself as the light of the world, and those who follow him will, walk, will not walk in darkness. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount calls us to be the light in Matthew 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus brings light to the far corners of our communities and our, our world. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. When we live our lives reflecting the light, it allows others to see his love. We are called to share the gospel, but more important than that, what we say is important, but even more than that, it's how we live. It's not merely what the shining people do, but why they do it and how they do it. And we found ourselves both drawn to them and unnerved by them because the light of their humble word and deed love has both warmed our hearts and exposed our selfishness and pride. Light affects everything. It permeates truth into every situation. It's true love on earth. Anne Graham Lotz wrote, Praise God, the light of the world is the light of heaven. Only he can empower us to love people he purposefully places in our lives well. And his love lights up the world. You are a light in the darkness, a servant of God who is being watched, who gives off light, a very distinct message with hardly a word being said. 
In the New York Times a few years ago, editor Nicholas Kristof wrote a column praising the work of many evangelical Christians. Kristof begins by noting that at times evangelical leaders act hypocritically and don't reflect Christ. However, he also goes on to write, but in reporting on poverty, disease, and oppression, I've seen so many others. Evangelicals are disproportionately likely to donate 10% of their incomes to charities, mostly church-related. More important, go to the front lines at home or abroad in the battles against hunger, malaria, prison rape, human trafficking, or genocide. And some of the bravest people you meet are evangelical Christians who truly live their faith. I'm not particularly religious myself, but I stand in awe of those I've seen risking their lives in this way. And it sickens me to see that faith mocked at New York cocktail parties. Remember the story you tell in the future about COVID-19, the spring of 2020, is a story you need to be proud of. I am proud of you, of how you have risen to the occasion to help others through this COVID pandemic through volunteering in food delivery, food donations, by being encouraging, by sewing masks, being generous in many ways. You have been a light on a hill, a city that cannot be hidden. You have been a lighthouse in the storm of COVID, a beacon in the darkness, and I am inspired by you. I can't tell you how proud our Father must be. If you are a follower of Jesus, light shines in and through you. As a church, his light goes out and brightens where we are. Our challenge today is to continue to let the light of Jesus shine wherever we go, in our relationships, in our families, at work, in our community, and our our church. How will you do that? How will you be the light? For my application today, I brought this birthday candle, and we will be passing these out at our drive-in church. And remember, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And I'm going to light it this morning here online. Sometimes lights are difficult or or candles are difficult to light. And so if you have a candle at home, maybe one that smells good that you like, every time you light it, just remember that Jesus is our light. He is that great light, and let him shine. If you don't know Jesus as the light of your life that warms us, that gives us hope, gives us direction, that guides us, that he is not your Savior and Lord yet, I would say today is the day, now is the time, to confess him as Lord and Savior and light of your life. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this time. Father, we're thankful for Jesus being our light, that you sent him into the darkness and shown him as a great life, that we could, great life light that we could follow. And Father, I just pray for those that are with us today, that he would be the light of their life. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Yep. Very good. Are we good? Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm working on him.